0: Hey, back for another week. It's another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger, and today we are going to be discussing and checking out web security within Angular. Uh, Joining us as panelists today, we've got Austin McDaniel. Austin, how's it going? How's it
1: going, everyone?
0: And we got uh, Mike Brocky with us. Mike, how's it going?
2: Not too bad. Thanks for asking. All right,
0: and our guest today is Philip. Philip, how's it going?
3: Hi. Very well,
0: thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, Getting into some web security. Philip's going to show us some stuff and um, educate us. This should be pretty good. Before we start, let's uh, do a rundown on some ng news here, uh, happenings this past week. Looks like we got a new uh, Angular 4.0.0 RC2 drop that came out. As well as a Angular CLI one point zero point zero RC one that dropped as well. Um, So those are good. Go get those bits. Uh, Anybody else have anything else that came out this week that want
2: to mention?
0: Two drop. uh, I think the second. Oh. Yeah.
2: It dropped on Wednesday or Thursday of last week.
0: Oh, awesome. Mm. There you go, you you learned something new, right?
2: I eagerly awaited that one, it was a nice fix because animations were not working with AOT and that has since been resolved, so kudos on that fix.
0: Yeah, so we we all know how awesome animations are, right, from our last episode. All right, cool. Let's get into it. Let's talk about web security. Uh, Philip, why don't you uh, fill in all of our viewers and uh, uh, what you got going on, who you are, that sort of thing. Give us a rundown.
3: Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Philip Uh I have an unpronounceable name in English, apparently, <laughs> so just call me Philip, and that's fine. Um, I'm a web security expert, so uh, I, I do web security uh, in general. I have a, I actually did a PhD on web security, and I'm, I'm still associated with university, but I'm running uh, commercial security activities. So mainly training, um, but also um, some some security assessments for companies, uh, things like that. Besides that, I do talks like this, um, talks just for communities, um, because security is, is in my opinion, very important. And essentially the goal is to build a better and more secure web, uh, and I'm trying to do my best to teach people how to do that. Um, That's essentially it. So in, I've been doing a lot of things. In the in the coming weeks, uh, I'll be in the US, actually. In the week of the 20th, I'll be in the Bay Area for DevOps US, uh, doing a talk on security headers in Spring there, uh, which is something a bit different than, than Angular. And the week after, the week of the 27th, I'm in Portland because there's EmberConf, uh, which is again, uh, not Angular, uh, but I'm doing an Angular talk uh, that week as well to compensate. So uh, I reached out to the local community in Portland and um, they're happy to have me uh, talk about Angular, so uh, that's going to be uh, some fun as well, and actually in December um, I'm running a, a workshop on Angular security here in Belgium at the Belgium Angular Conference NGBE. So that's going to be very fun as well. I've heard good things about it. Uh, sure. uh, do you just do a talk somewhere at a conference recently? Um, we we had a course here in Leuven, uh, the Dev course. Uh, I, I co-organized, co-organized that, but also. Uh, did a couple of talks there as well Uh, again one on angular security um, but uh, two others one one about the general security model of the web so essentially the 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 very basic same origin policy in the browser and how everything builds on top of that um, to to offer security Um, and also one about uh, new client side security features uh, that have been added to the browser in the last basically last five years um, and how you you can use them um, which ones are very useful very important which ones ones are a bit more dangerous and should be very careful when you're trying to use them uh, so that was a lot of fun as well
0: mike did you have a question I, did i jump the gun over you on
2: that <laughs> no you're all set i just have heard really good things about uh the uh, belgium conference ngebe um i've heard that it a whole lot of fun and very uh, informative
3: yeah the organization was impeccable so uh, they had a first one last year and it was uh, near perfect so they have a very high bar to to reach this year again so I'm, I'm looking forward to that it was really great nice
1: so what a, you know web security like we all know SQL injection stuff like that escape your strings like what are some of the things that like just in general like us as developer, web
3: developers, we should be doing—not um, even particular to Angular, in fact. Yeah, um, th- that's a very good question. I, um, I'm glad you're opening with that. So, um, one of the things about about Angular is Angular itself is, is quite new. You have all of these JavaScript frameworks, um, which are a new way to build applications. But um, web security-wise, things haven't changed that much in in a sense. So, we indeed we still have SQL injection, and, and there's still news reports uh, every day about. Um, Websites or plugins or frameworks failing to do that correctly and uh, resulting in, in all kinds of harm and, and breaches and things like that. So, yes, we still have the, the old stuff. So, we still have SQL, uh, SQL injection, command injection, um, but you also have the, the communication channel. So, um, everything is, well, a lot of things are uh, wireless today. Um, so, that's definitely, uh, definitely an added attack factor uh, that you want to take into account. So, today, everything should be HTTPS. Uh, there's, in, in my opinion, not even a question about it. Um, what do you think about
1: has, the uh the, HTVS, uh the Open
3: Certificate Initiative, and things like that? Um, oh, what do you, do you mean Let's Encrypt? Yeah, Let's Encrypt, sorry. Yeah, that's absolutely awesome. Um, I use it as well uh, for, for most of my sites, actually. Um, it works really well. Um, it it's, takes, mm-hmm. takes away the pain of, of managing certificates. Uh, used to be like this manual process and jumping through hoops to get a certificate from a CA, and and they they simply automated the process um, and and essentially they they have the same security guarantees as, as you get when you you get a simple domain validated certificate. So um, I'm I'm a big fan uh, and they're one of the reasons that today uh, about half of the traffic is actually HTTPS. So um, I think they they did a tremendous job with that and I hope they keep it up in the future as well. What are some other tools like that that you
1: could like share with uh, you know some of the viewers that that you think are like uh, you know boilerplate like we you know us as developers you know we should know about and, and uh, be using potentially?
3: Yeah, um, specifically specifically for HTTPS, uh, there's this thing called the SSL Server Test. Um, if, if you're running a website, that, that's essentially uh, kind of a mandatory check to do against your server to see wh- what it turns up. So what it, what it does is it scans your website, looks for um, the, the parameters of your HPS configuration, and then uh, essentially analyzes whether that's a, a good setup, a secure setup, or not. So what, what they'll do is they, they check um, whether you support really old stuff. Um, if you have SSL version 3 enabled, then you're going to get a bad grade. And that's kind of a given. Um, but they also check like the, the specific cipher suites and, and the very latest options um, whether you have enabled them or not, and based on that, they they get to a grade which can be either an F up until an, an A plus. So there's kind of a variation, and you should of course aim for the A plus. So that too alone is has been uh, really really um, um, well essential for getting where we are today with HTTPS deployment, and we should go even further. So. Um, is that opinion, something that's, you
0: can in your local development environment, or is that something that you have to point at a running production site?
3: No, that's, that's for uh, running production sites. It requires a, um, a public domain uh, to be registered. Uh, it doesn't run on IP addresses to avoid uh, abuse of pointing it to something that it shouldn't be scanning, um, so it requires a, a public site. There are some, um, some client-side tool, uh, tools you can run offline as well, so there's a there's a guy who actually wrote this in, in Bash. So there's a, a shell script you can run that tests your HPS deployment. So um, yeah, test as a it's called, think, I think. So you can, you can simply get that from GitHub and run it on your uh, local server without needing to go online. So that works quite well. And there are a few others. Uh, I don't have the names. I don't know in my heart, but there are a few other tools that can run offline as well. So these things you can definitely use to to scan your, your uh, internal servers as well.
0: There you go. So, so we've got some of our core standard stuff that we're used to in terms of uh, security for just web development, right? What about specifically for Angular? Like, I mean, is it mainly this stuff, or is there some specific stuff for Angular that we're looking for as well? Or how do we start wrapping that into our mindset as we're building Angular apps?
3: Um, Well, to be honest, if if you're building uh, an Angular app, Step one should be it it needs to run on HTTPS. In my opinion, there's no reason to run something new not on HTTPS. So um, I even suggest, if if you're able to do that, to run your development environment on HTTPS, you can simply use a self-signed certificate for that um, because it will help you weed out uh, problems that will pop up later. So uh, one, one example is if you start including external resources and you include something from an HTTP server, um, let's say from a CDN and you include it, everything works uh, while you're developing and then you pr- uh, push the app to, to staging or production and all of a sudden it starts breaking because the resource is not, well, the browser will refuse to load it because it's over HTTP and you're deploying this over HTTPS. That, that's one example uh, where you, you will run into problems there. So um, another thing is if, you, if you're if you integrating some payment API on the, on the client side, um, they often require you to run HTTPS as well, even on localhost. So that's another... Um, Good, well, a good reason to, to start looking and, and setting that up and and essentially um, working over SSL even there. Um, it, it doesn't really hurt your development process. You'll still have the same tools available unless you're doing network sniffing, then it becomes a bit more tricky, uh, but I don't think that's kind of a standard development setup. So uh, that shouldn't get in the way too much. That's, that's step number one. And of course, we, we covered the other stuff. So you need still to do traditional security, authentication, authorization, uh, these things they remain essential um they're mainly a backend responsibility uh so if you're uh, purely a front end developer then um you you'll be able to escape from that <laughs> um but uh well the, these things remain important even with angular applications and uh maybe even more so now that everything is uh moved towards apis um we definitely need to take them into account angular specific um i would say there are two um two things that that, uh, radically change when when you're talking about a client-side application like an Angular application. One of these things is um, composing the actual HTML pages. So it used to be server-side. You used to have this server-side application that pushed out an HTML page, sent it to the browser, and the browser rendered it. Um, This means that if you have security problems there, like cross-site scripting, um, it used to be a server-side problem. It has become a a client-side problem now. Well, at least the mitigation has become client-side problems. And the second thing is if you want to use sessions, um, a lot of uh, services are moving towards these REST APIs without server-side state, meaning that you are keeping session state on the clients, um, meaning that you'll need to ensure uh, something like integrity or confidentiality of that session data as well. Um, so that's something people often overlook in the in the process of migrating to, towards client-side sessions, like just put it on the client, we get it back and everything is fine. But of course, that has become untrusted data now. So you need to sh- be sure that if it says that the user is an admin, that it's actually true, and uh, not just something the user has given you uh, just like that. So in my opinion, these two things definitely change for Angular applications.
0: So our um, stuff when we're talking about sessions and our data and stuff like that, um, do we have libraries out there that we know of that are starting to uh, provide this type of solution for us so we can plug into our Angular applications, or is it something that? we're probably all wanting to look at and dive into ourselves as, as handwriting that sort of thing?
3: Um, well, yeah, there's definitely tools you can use. So um, first of all, for the cross-site scripting part, Angular takes care of most of that for you. Um, so that's one of the good things of moving towards this client-side application. Um, back when you had a server-side application, the browser received this huge HTML page. And it contains some scripts, and it had no idea which scripts actually belong there and which ones were injected by an attacker. Um, That made it very hard for the browser to to do anything against cross-site scripting, and that's why the server needed to do that. In an Angular application, Angular can do that for you, because Angular is building your application or your pages, and it knows up front, like, these scripts were there in the beginning, and I'm putting stuff into the page now. So if there's a script there, probably um, that's not something you want to do actually i'll go into into detail about that in a bit actually angular has your back uh, there quite well and the second thing um what's what uh, technologies used a lot for session management or for session state uh, on the client is uh, jwt or jot tokens and these libraries actually um, they offer integrity Uh, so they they add a signature by default uh, meaning that um, if you verify them correctly on the server so if you use the library to verify the token then you're actually sure that's what you're getting back was um, issued by someone you trust, which depending. So on how? Are
1: JWTs are you know JWTs are are not a new concept, but I think you know people actually using them is starting to grow. And how are JWTs different from cookies for the viewers that aren't familiar with that?
3: Okay, um, that that's a very loaded question <laughs> um, because. You, you, you can you cannot really compare both both uh, both because okay so let me break this down so essentially when you have a, a JWT it's it's a format of of uh, storing data so essentially it's it's a, a standardized JSON format uh, which contains um, ideally some some uh, information about the algorithm some data and a signature of the whole uh, object so you can verify integrity later um, cookies. In in another uh, cookies are, are something entirely different. The cookie is simply a, a storage and, and transport mechanism of a certain piece of data. So if you set a cookie, um, the browser will attach it back. So essentially, a cookie transports data, but a cookie can store a, a, a JWT token as well. So you can simply put a JWT token inside a cookie, and because they're well, they're two different things. So if you want to make that comparison, you should compare. Um, On on one hand, cookies versus uh, a custom header, like an authorization header with a bare uh, value, that's that's a a fair comparison to make. And on the other hand, should compare um, a JWT token to to either uh, a custom session object stored uh, somewhere or a server-side session. And and that's that's a valid comparison to make. And if you want to go into more detail on that, I can give you the the full rundown (laughs) of the differences and the things to take into account.
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually, uh, we actually just switched over to JWT and, uh, it, it, it's a little bit different, you know, there's some different challenges because like you said, you're sending those, um, those requests, uh, those, that, that signature in your header. So when you make thing, you know, requests to things like, um, images where you're not making XHR requests, it gets a little fuzzy there.
3: Yeah absolutely <laughs> yes that that's a problem that the occurs quite often indeed so um, because you're adding the JWT token in in a custom header your you can simply um, have your angular application do that for every xhr request um, then you you get into trouble when the browser starts fetching resources himself uh, without passing to your interceptor or, or something like that so um, one way to address that would be to actually store the job token in a cookie and have the browser uh, send it uh, through the cookie mechanism. But of course, if you're using cookies, then things like cross-site request forgery, a uh, very specific attack, uh, they come into play again. So you'll need to make sure that you protect against this kind of attack. So um, yeah, security isn't always easy, <laughs> especially on the web. So uh, there's a lot of things that you need to take into account and, and weigh against each other like, how, how does my application work and what am I doing here and uh, which technology suits me best. But I think the best thing about Jots is that they actually, if you do it right, well, if you use the, the standard libraries, they, they kind of force you to use the signature um, by default, which is, in, in my opinion, a good thing. Because um, when people cook something up themselves, they either don't think about the fact that they have need integrity protection or they, they mess it up um, themselves, which actually happened to Jots as well. Um, but it's fixed now, so it should be fine. So,
0: what what about a, the strategy in terms of getting those resources? Where you request a short lived uh, token, so for a resource for like an image or something, you you have an endpoint that says, "Okay, here's my JWT for my authentication. Give me a ticket for this resource. I get it back. Now I request that resource with that as like a GET request, and and um, I can receive it for that short period of time. Is that another is it a valid strategy?
3: Yeah, that that would be. Would also be a way um, a way to do it, sure. Um, but of course, that requires you to to keep track of those tickets um, on the server. So essentially, you're you're kind of moving back to towards uh, keeping state on the server and making sure that um, that you verify uh, against that. So um, it's it's definitely a valid strategy. Um, but in in some cases, it's 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 worth um, making the or uh, posing the question: Do we actually need client side state? Um, well, uh, is, is session states or keeping state on the session so, so difficult or so problematic for us um, that we actually need that? Um, that's, in my opinion, that's a valid question for most applications. If you're running a, a major setup uh, with millions of users, sure, and um, there're going to be some huge performance problems with server-side sessions. But uh, many smaller applications they can can deal perfectly fine with that, and they have a lot of um, benefits or make it a lot easier for security.
0: Always a decision to make, right?
3: Yeah, always, and it's never easy on the web. So,
0: <laughs> cool. All right, uh, you want to show us some stuff?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, so let's let's talk a bit about um, about uh, script injection in Angular. Like I said, um, Angular takes care of that uh, a lot for you. I'm I'm gonna share my screen here and show you uh, a few sample scenarios I prepared. So is everything OK there? You see it? Yep. All right. So let me show you what's going on here. So I, I prepared a few um, ways to try and put script into, into a page. So um, the first one um, is essentially, let All me right. show Can you.
0: Can you bump the font up a little bit on,
3: on maybe both those windows, too, I think? A little bit. Cool. Yeah, that looks good. Um, is the text editor readable?
0: a little there we go that's probably
3: good so let me Thank you. start with the first one so um, this is this is a very simple of course it's, it's a demo scenario but this 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 handles any kind of untrusted uh, input which in this case simply comes directly from the input box here um, and outputs it right into the page so if you type something um, it's it's bound to this value and the value is uh, put here with the double mustache double stashes So essentially, this is how you do most data binding in Angular. So essentially, um, when you're doing this, Angular is is actually um, taking care of of this um, output. And if you try to um, put something, um, let me actually grab something here um, to put in there. So if you try to put some HTML code here, um, it simply writes out the HTML code. Um, Essentially, what's what's happening here is Angular is Encoding this for the HTML content context. So this is Angular at work. Um, this is very different from a traditional application where this would be a cross-site scripting or a potential cross-site scripting attack vector. Um, it's also a vector here, but Angular here is um, knows that you're trying to put something right into an HTML context, and it says like, "Well, this is potentially dangerous. Let me simply render that uh, harmless for um, for this context, and uh, you should be fine." So if you're doing all your data binding like this, um, Angular is actually uh, taking care of you and uh, preventing, your, uh, or preventing any cross-site scripting attack vectors here. So that's, um, that's example number one, that's the, the very simple one. It can become, um, this is by the way, something that uh, Angular has, has always done. Um, even Angular 1 uh, does this for you. So um, we're pretty good uh, so far. And I think the the other frameworks. I know that Ember does it as well. Um, I'm not a React uh, expert, but um, I'm pretty sure that they do something very similar. Um, so they protect you as well there. Go to the second uh, second example. Um, again, very very straightforward. You have uh, the same input, and instead of um, putting it um, or interpolating it uh, as as this value, you put it directly into uh, an HTML element. So you put it use inner HTML. You bind it there, um, and if you try this uh, if you type test of course it appears there and uh, that's not the exciting st- exciting stuff if you do it like this um, actually see that um, this this HTML code is, is outputted uh, and processed parsed by the browser so this bold tag works and the image tag well the image doesn't exist but it's uh, trying to load the image at least and this is um, potentially dangerous because if you would be able to um, add scripts here, then you might think that the browser will try to execute this. So let's see what happens. We have the the same as before, but we have added an on error event handler saying that if the image doesn't exist, uh, trigger this code, but nothing happens. uh, Even though that the image um, is trying to be loaded and doesn't really exist here. Um, Well, I see that I should have, copied this, not from a rich text editor apparently, Um, but nonetheless, it doesn't change um, anything. Because Angular is, again, seeing what you're doing. Angular says like, okay, you want to bind some HTML, that's fine, um, but I'm going to make sure that you as a developer don't shoot yourself in the foot and I'm going to take out the dangerous part. So Angular considers this part or knows that the only error will trigger script execution and simply filters it out as if you would have put this into, into the page. Uh, and it does this for for this uh, whole list of dangerous features and it actually um, helps you protect against these kinds of attacks this is called sanitization and this is something that's enabled uh, by default in angular 2 which is uh, which is very good um it used to be it's it's also available in angular one but you need to enable this uh, sanitizer manually um, meaning that the first time you try this you get an error and then people start looking on stack overflow for answers and they find uh, find for example um, some advice to turn turn this thing off or bypass it or something like that and uh, that is how how these vulnerabilities exist in applications and that's what angular 2 does better so they do it by default um, so unless you ac- actively try to bypass this thing um, again you're very good and you're protected um, which is a my thing a good in my opinion a good thing
0: so does that mean that um, as we're thinking about receiving data back, and we got this dynamic data that we're working with with uh, HTTP and calls and pulling our data, and, and start putting it into these, um, we really don't have to think about any type of sanitization coming from our data source, because we can just throw it in here, and Angular's got our back? Or um, is that something yeah, we still that's, need to
3: be concerned about? That's essentially what it comes down to, yes. So um, and the, the real thing what's happening here is um, You used to well back back with traditional applications you need to take care of this explicitly on the server you need to do some sanitization on the server but if you have an api um, you simply push out some json data for example and the server has no idea what context you'll be using this data in and that's um, that's a tricky part here it's inside an html element but it could also be inside an attribute or in a style uh some css stuff so that's the tricky part about css protection you need to know which context it's being used in and in a traditional application, you had that on the server because you were putting it in the database t- yourself. And here, Angular has this for you, and Angular takes care of this. Um, that's why Angular is able to take care of this uh, for you. So no, you don't need to worry about that. You need to make sure that your server is outputting valid, um, your API is outputting um, valid responses. Um, so that's that's as far as the server needs to, needs to go. And then uh, the client. Uh, becomes responsible from that point on because the client will be putting that into an html page um, into a certain context and that's where the protection needs to be applied unfortunately this can be done automatically today cool all right so let's go to the third one um which already the hint uh, already gives it away essentially but um, let's see what's actually happening here so um if you go here um what we do is we have, uh, again, this value. Um, well, I'm going to show the, the JavaScript code behind this in a bit. But we're binding it to something else and putting that into our um, inner HTML attribute. And um, as you may guess, if you put this in, uh, you get an alert box. And um, an alert box is kind of a good demonstration that cross-site scripting is happening. Um, it's, it's not the worst that can happen uh, with cross-site scripting. So essentially, um, once you have script running in your application, um, once I can pop an alert, I can do whatever I want. So I can start stealing um, your precious shot tokens if you store them in local storage. I can um, start running commands from here. I can um, hook this this frame. I can steal images from your webcam. Um, so we're on Google Hangouts now. If, if I would be able to um, to inject that code into your browser, for example, through the chat feature, um, I might, might be able to steal images from your webcam. Um, I want to see well. it. Let's see that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, if I find that, I'm gonna submit it privately to Google. It's it's gonna buy me a a lot of uh, nice beers um, after this talk. So um, if you find things like that, that's that's a bug bounty essentially. You get uh, you get a few thousand dollars for finding cross site scripting like that into the major applications. So um, if you want to get rich, uh, that's that's a good career actually. People have been doing this for a career, finding these vulnerabilities in websites and reporting them and getting money out of that. So um, that's definitely a good thing. But let me. Um, let me um, show you what's what's actually going on here. So why is this working? Why well it wasn't working before. Well, if you um, would look at the code, let me see. No, it's this one. If you look at the code, um, you actually see that I'm using this DOM sanitizer, um, which is the the process or the part of Angular that's responsible for sanitization sanitizing our data. And what it's what I actually did here is I I bound this value um, to to the doing-it-wrong value because I use this bypass-security-trust-as-HTML. And the reason I want to go into this is in Angular 1, this function was called trust-as-HTML. And this actually gives the idea that you're doing something um, something good because you're trusting a value. Um, so they have fortunately, they have renamed this to bypass-security-trust-as-HTML, uh, which essentially means that you're doing something that um, is potentially dangerous. And, and the documentation includes that as well. So you see this, um, if you go here, you see this uh, huge warning saying that um, if you do this with untrusted data, you're well. You're gonna shoot yourself in the foot, your application will be vulnerable. So don't use this um, in this context and only use it for uh, very specific cases where you have some static uh, static HTML that you actually want to mark as trusted. Um, this also is also valid if you want uh, to mark a URL as trusted to load in an iframe or something like that, um, then you can also use it on sanitizer to say, to Angular, I specifically acknowledge that this URL does not come from user input, and I know that this is safe. So that's why I want to, um, want to actually allow that uh, to happen. And in all other cases, uh, please protect me against this kind of thing. So when you see bypass security, that's something uh, that should trigger, like, what's going on here? Um, I need to look into what's happening.
0: So can I ask a question real quick? Uh,
3: yeah.
0: So, based on what you previously showed and this here, so my mind thought goes to I've got an application that it has a rich text editor that allows people to enter in text that's going to get converted into HTML, and I want to be able to pull that back from my data source and serve that up and display that within my application. Um, the regular inner HTML binding would allow me to do that and help protect me from if that. Rich Text Editor got script put into it, right? Like I could just use that without using this bypass security trust and be secure on my Rich Text content that I'm receiving?
3: Yes, absolutely. That's that's the whole point of sanitization. So um, let me go back here. So let's say indeed you have something like uh, an editor where you can edit in HTML and you get some HTML files. If you put this attack factor um, in there, um, what the sanitizer does, it, it detects the fact that um, HTML is in there, and it allows the safe stuff to be in there. So you can have images. Um, in this case, it's not loading, but you can have images. You can have uh, the bold tag, obviously, but you can have headers, paragraphs, divs, spans. That's, that's everything is fine. It's the moment you start using things like onblur or uh, onclick, that's where the sanitizer will kick in and say like, whoa, this is uh, potentially dangerous because it will trigger scripts. And uh, I'm not going to allow you to do that um, because you asked me to sanitize this. And obviously, script tags um, will not be in there as well. Um, And and, well, the sanitizer knows um, all these different ways to that can lead to script execution uh, from HTML code, and it will remove all of those features and leave everything else intact. So that's the cool thing about sanitization. So
1: we're really
0: like looking and thinking, okay, like unless there's some use case, which there may be, right? People may need, may have something in there after they need to do that. But most part, you're going to want to stay away from this um, bypass, right? Because you can accomplish a lot of the stuff you probably end up running into needing without even you know, using that.
3: Yeah, um, absolutely. So the bypass, uh, I think the documentation explicitly mentioned this. A, a use case where you might want to use this is um, if you have some static snippet that you um, need to inject um, without, um, well, that you actually know that it's safe because you wrote it yourself. So uh, the moment you have untrusted data coming from anywhere that might end up here, um, you're essentially doing it wrong. Um, and you're creating this huge uh, attack factor that will come back and, and bite you uh, eventually. Um, but this is, well, I, I think because it's called bypass security, this is uh, less likely to happen now. Um, but it used to happen quite often in, um, in Angular 1 applications. Um, like yeah, junior developers not sure what, what these things do not uh, having heard about security they simply run into the problem they they find a solution like yeah use trust html um, and everything is fine and then um, everything works so you don't see the vulnerability until somebody comes by and injects this on error stuff or a script tag and then um, well uh, then you discover the fact that this is also allowing scripts to pass through um,
0: and then, hopefully, all you have to do is pay them a bounty, right?
3: And you're not. <laughs> yeah. But also, the good thing is, because there's a specific way of doing this, you can easily um, easily scan your code base for, for the use of this function. And You can even write, write some, um, well, some acceptance tests that, that scan your code base when you have a new commit and automatically tell the developer, like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Um, is, are you sure that this is the way to do it? And, and is this actually okay to do it like that uh, or not?
2: And to be clear, this is only on this one text box. This is not a globally available uh, setting where you're essentially bypassing security for all rendered HTML. It's just focused to this one value.
3: Yeah, th- these functions, you explicitly need to call it on a value and they output something uh, from the types. Uh, well, let me show you the type save HTML. So um, if, you, if you see here, uh, the type return is actually save HTML, so this is one value only. Um, I really don't want to go to the next uh, part of your question, yes, there are ways to turn it off, um, and no, you should not be doing this. Um, go look on GitHub, uh, you find plenty of discussions of people saying like, yeah, but I know perfectly well that my code is safe and I don't need the sanitizer kicking in, and uh, can I remove it or disable it, and there are some ways to do it. but um, so I, I, opinion, I, wasn't,
2: yeah. I wasn't advocating it. i was just uh being explicit about what this function actually does yeah it's, just it's it out in the download of <laughs> angular
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um yeah you're absolutely right this um this is meant to be used in in very um very special circumstances only, um, not as a general uh, concept, and it's definitely not recommended to turn this thing off altogether. Um, If you're doing that, essentially all all protection is out the window and, and, well, yeah, it's just waiting until somebody comes by and and takes over your application, essentially. All right, Um, so there's maybe one more case um, that we need to discuss. so these, these are all the, the things that you have um, in, in Angular itself. There's um, The conclusion here is that Angular does it very well. Um, there's one scenario where Angular is is not very able to protect you. And that's um, essentially in, in a scenario called uh, dynamic templates or server-side templates or something like that. So um, let me show you. Um, so the, the setup of, of this um, scenario, I, I haven't implemented this, this fully because I didn't feel like running this web server here. Um, locally, but essentially what, what you're doing here, or what some people are doing, um, is combining Angular with an old application, like an old school PHP application, for example. So it's, the thing is sitting there, it's legacy code, but your boss doesn't want to wait three months until you've rewritten the whole thing in, into an API and and an Angular frontend. Uh, but you still want to use Angular so you can start combining both of them together. So you're like, yeah, we have some PHP output, uh, that's fine. We we'll load the Angular library in there, and then we can uh, use some of the Angular features to build a nice UI on top of that. And this is okay, as long as you use a specific API to fetch your data. The moment you start combining your uh, code with uh, like this, uh, so you have some PHP output, you try to do some XSS protection on the server because it's, you're outputting data on the server, so you need to protect against cross-site scripting. The moment you do that, um, you're in trouble because, um people can enter this as a username. So if I enter as a username, this funky thing, um, PHP does not consider this to be harmful because this isn't HTML code. This is, this is okay, this is not a, a really valid username probably, but it's, it's simple text data. It, it doesn't mean anything in an HTML context. It only means something in an Angular context. And if you, well, let me um, show you that this actually works. Okay. If you would do this um, here, and you load that page, then it should trigger something. Huh? I broke this apparently. Um, that's, I'm not sure what's going on here. But essentially, um, OK, yeah, I know what's going on here. Um, Okay, that, that's funny. I didn't try this out before. So essentially, when you start doing this, um, normally this would trigger um, trigger a problem because um, Angular would process the the HTML, would see that this is something that that's Angular specific, and would start processing this. And this um, well is essentially a way to break out of break out of your scope and access the window object where you can um, eval this alert code. The reason this is not working, um, I believe, is because I enabled AOT mode um, for some other stuff I wanted to show and AOT mode um, would compile the template up front um, and only um, process it afterwards. So essentially, means, this means that this will not um, be picked up again by the browser when he's trying to um, process this template because it's already compiled. So if I'm correct, it should be working now. Otherwise, um, yeah, I'm kind of failing on this this episode.
0: No, I, th- I think you're conveying the point here. So we just have to see it in action. But no, you're doing a good yeah. job.
3: OK. Um, that's a fail on my part because I have no idea why it's not working here today. So yeah, um, my apologies for that.
0: So can you talk really quick about this? Uh, like? What's going on here with the when you talk about the PHP side serving that code yep. prior to Angular running that? Um, I'm just kind of trying to follow there on on how somebody would have that set up um, in terms of if they're they're wrapping these two like their legacy app and stuff like that.
3: Yeah. So, um, essentially, the the kind of setup you have there is um, you you have your traditional um, Pages, pages on the server, and and you, um, what you typically would do there is you would render the initial, initial page um, using some some uh, parameters, uh, parameter information or some session information from the, the PHP page, and then you you kick off um, or you, you you start your Angular um, library, well Angular uh, bootstraps the application, and from then on you can interact with with a part of the the application in a very very interactive and dynamic way, which is essentially um, because you're running a client-side application, um, which is why, what makes it uh, so attractive. So, um, if you have this specific part, or you need to render tables of stuff or stuff like that, um, people often want to want to use Angular for that. The problem is um, because you're still running your PHP application, you need to do um, your server-side uh, cross-site scripting protection, and and that's uh, where it becomes tricky because. Um, essentially angular has changed the way um that static as well, the way that html or uh, text data is is perceived and that's why once you start injecting um specific angular code in there um that php will consider to be safe uh, angular will pick that up and start executing that if everything works as it should work uh, essentially <laughs> that's that is what it, what uh, this scenario comes down to, and that's also something they say in the documentation that you shouldn't be doing. this is something that's uh, very hard to predict against um they tried in angular one with the expression sandbox um but people kept finding bypasses against that and took that out so uh, they took it out because it was unmaintainable and bypassable um so um angular one is vulnerable to this angular two is vulnerable to this as well, but not if you um if you do this uh ahead of time compilation because when when you do that um, actually you uh, compile your template up front and insert the data afterwards, and that essentially gets rid of the problem because uh, you know up front where you're gonna insert data and you're not gonna get confused um, by uh, some injected angular code
0: So would you say it's uh really probably worthwhile that people should approach that in terms of solving that in a different way, like maybe um you know taking on the the time it's going to take to really, because it's worth it from a security standpoint, to really find different ways to get that content from their static site or or their other server side rendering over to their Angular application, maybe through an HTTP, through an endpoint, or some preloaded data, that sort of thing?
3: Yeah. If you're running um, such an application, yeah, that's definitely something you need to address, um, because it's going to be very hard to get right. Um, so you're better off um, essentially loading Angular separately and then fetching the data using XHR XHR calls and um, loading it uh, on the client side. That's going to ensure that you have the protection Angular offers you, and that's um, that's going to help you prevent these these uh, weird bypasses uh, on the server side, because it's it's going to lead to nothing nothing but trouble if you start combining both. So essentially, um, my advice I give in, in talks is don't do this. Um, People building Angular uh, advise against this, uh, so uh, it's it's there for a reason, and uh, you should follow that advice.
0: So we can really go to our project leads and our CEOs and say, "Look, we can do this, but uh, it's a big security risk." I mean, you sure you want to take that and then kind of you know play that card and, and work this process?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, you you can definitely play that card, um, but security is already on the, on the already has a bad reputation cost-wise and time-wise, so (laughs) I'm not sure how they're going to respond to that, like, security, again? Um, Yeah. Use it as an argument. Don't build it like that.
0: That's true. Why is that? Can we get to a point where security is more of a first-class concern across the board, and we're okay with that? Like, I mean, how, what do you see when you go out there and you're doing your talks and stuff, and and how are people receiving that? Are they uh, is that still the approach of ah, uh, not security again, or is it are people embracing that?
3: It it depends on the on the type of company. So um, I've I've given trainings in companies where they actually. They have a a dedicated security team, uh, which is really well-staffed, and they they do it very well. Um, And essentially, when I'm explaining uh, security mechanisms and and new security policies, developers actually were like, oh, we've been using that for for a year or two years uh, because we had to from the security team, but now we actually understand what it does. So those companies are doing a, a very good job. Um, On the other hand, I also have have companies that are just barely scratching the surface on security and they they have only um, one guy responsible for security. So they're, um, well, but for for them. But I I would say, well, where I see it going is I, uh, this is something that's starting to pick up. uh, Security or building secure applications is going to become a competitive advantage. So uh, some customers will start demanding that. um, So that's that's gonna be the main driver I, I think for for actually uh, caring more about security and making security um, more important even though it's probably gonna kind um, cost a bit more to, to do it the right way instead of just uh, get something working so I definitely hope that we're moving towards that direction um,
1: I think with you know uh, with all the news it, you're gonna see you know, a lot more you know higher up people, uh, starting to really emphasize this in you know these in these software organizations, right? Like, if you know I can lose my whole company if some developer forgets to escape some HTML because of a lawsuit, right? You're going to see a lot more buy-in when those type of news articles and what we see uh, uh, happening is is a positive effect i feel like and it's it's continuing to grow in adoption from for better or for worse uh from all that publicity
3: yeah absolutely um but one of the requirements there is that um people or the, the higher people actually need to um understand what security is and how security works so um well one of the the things there or the the misconceptions there is that security is is like this check you go through when you when you build your product and it's almost finished and the, the last step is let's do a security check and then um sometimes they find minor issues which you can fix but sometimes they find like crucial design flaws in your application and then um you're faced with a choice like go back six months in time and and actually address them correctly or or slap some some patch on there and hope that nobody finds uh Finds what we did, and, and I mean, we it's not it like it.
1: going through TSA at the airport. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so well, when when you want to do it right, then I, I think the main lesson or the main uh, message here is that security is a process. It's not something you you do um, one time and and you you you're done with it. It's it's something you build up, and and that should be uh, carried by your whole organization and not by by a few people or. Uh, one external consultant doing, doing this pen test for your application before you release it into the wild.
1: How we treat it is, you know, people uh, you know, write unit tests and that's part of a delivery of a particular feature set. Well, so is the security factor. So we, we factor that checklist into every feature that we're delivering. Is it unit tested? Does it have, is it security checked, et cetera?
3: Yeah, that that's a very good um, way to do it, and a very good way to raise awareness. And yeah, you need to get, get everybody on board. And the, something that might help as well is it's like having this security um, checklist of of things you need to be um, need to be doing and need to be um, checking or for new applications or new components or whatever. Like, um, does it run on HTTPS? Um, sure. Um, does it load uh, external resources? Then the question is why why does it do that, and how do you know whether these resources are actually uh, secure. Um, who do you trust? When, if you're loading external script, you're essentially trusting a third party um, to run something in your application and hope that they behave. For on on one end, but also hope <clears throat> that they take security as serious as you do, because if if they get compromised, then you will be the one suffering from it. That's what we see with all these advertisers. Uh, one bad advertisement ends up in in the network and it's served to millions of users and defacing websites all over the place. Uh, because you, you trust them to to do the right thing, and well, sometimes they do, but sometimes they also have problems there. So,
0: I talked earlier about uh, possibly having a, in a, in your build system a check, you know, and say, okay, look, is this bypass security trust URL call within the code that's being committed? Can I check that? Um, what about also stuff like, I mean, is there something like a concept of linting that we could have where? We get these linters that check our code for security stuff and can let us know in our develop our editors and IDEs of, hey, we're potentially doing some security stuff.
3: Um, that's something that, that people are working on. So um, I know uh, one tool that's actually quite good at that. It's called Checks uh, from, from Codescope, um, which is a, a very new uh, static analysis tool, essentially, that is able to understand Angular applications and, and JavaScript applications. And um, their well, their vision is to to move towards the API, so that uh, to dot ID, so that they essentially can give you uh, near real time feedback about when you're doing something potentially insecure. Um, when you're using one of these insecure functions, they will be able to flag that immediately and say like, dude, what the hell?" But also other things like if you're um, if you're using untrusted data in, in, in some places, if you're using uh, weak cryptography functions, uh, things like that. So um, yes, that's something we we see for the traditional development frameworks uh, or languages, and that's definitely something that will be coming to uh, to web development in the coming years uh, as well. Yeah, we, uh,
1: there's actually a lot of vendor tools out there when it comes to, like, the enterprise that we see getting adopted, um, things like HP Fortify, where it does static code analysis on check-ins and things like that, but they're not really, I think the big gap that we see is they're not really um, Doing a lot of the JavaScript uh, specific yep. type of operations, they're more for the traditional web applications, and they might have some JavaScript stuff, but most of the time it's just wrong.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they have been around for quite some time, and they, they have done done a very good job on on Java applications and, and uh, traditional web applications, but um, they're struggling with with JavaScript and Angular and, and the whole way that these these applications are are built, and that's. Um, Something that that needs to be addressed in 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 the future, and that's definitely something uh, I, I presume that these major co- companies are working on as well. So they they cannot afford to simply ignore this, and then um, in in a couple of years uh, discover that uh, apparently Angular is kind of a big thing <laughs> on the web, and that they should have uh, should have thought about that a bit sooner. So uh, I presume they're working on that. I I don't know specifically, but um, I, I'm pretty sure that they are, and they will um, they will definitely. Um, bring out support for that uh, in the future, I hope.
0: Cool. Hey, we got uh, a little bit more time here. We got one more. uh, We got a question on our YouTube channel for uh, if you could go over a little bit about Angular and CSRF. Um, I mean, we have a few minutes left, maybe you can... Okay,
3: sure. Um, I'd be happy to. so, I, I'm not going to be able to give you the, the full rundown of, of what it is, um, but if you if you look on, on my website, there are videos from previous talks where I, I cover this um, in a bit more detail with some images and, and slide material, so that's going to be a bit uh, more interesting to look at, probably. But in, in in a nutshell, what it comes down to with, with CSRF or CSERF um, is that you send a request to a backend, and the browser attaches the cookie automatically, and essentially the backend has no idea whether this request came from your application or from... Just about any other website running in your browser, because it can still make the same requests, and the cookie will be there. And that confusion um, is, is cross site request forger you because you're forging requests from a different context, and it's typically cross site. The way to protect against this, um, not use cookies. That's one way. Um, that's uh, something that happens if you if you have, uh, for example, a JOT token in the authorization header. Then CSRF is not a problem, because uh, only requests coming from your context will have the token. And requests coming from uh, from outside, from somewhere else, will not will not have the token because they didn't pass through your uh, interceptor that added the token um, himself. So that's that's one way uh, to avoid that. And if you actually want to mitigate that, if you're using cookies, then the the right way to do that is um, in Angular is to to set a second cookie um, called a, an XSRF token, uh, which contains a, a random value. In Angular um, well, this is actually a, a pattern that can be used for any any kind of application, but Angular uh, already supports this out of the box. So when it sees this cookie XSRF token, it will copy that value into a header, which is called X XSRF token. And, um, the header will be added to every outgoing request uh, coming from Angular application and the server will be able to verify that, um, whether that's the same as the cookie. So essentially how this works, um, again, look look at the images if you want uh, a bit more detail, but essentially what happens there is only your context can read the cookie and copy it to the header. So that's um, that's why nobody else can do this. And the server doesn't need to keep track of, of the tokens he issued, he simply gets the cookie he set before the XSRF token cookie, and he gets this uh, header that only your application could have set and he needs to compare both values. And if both values are the same, then he knows that this token was um, his token and only you could have copied it, so the request is legitimate. If it, the header is not there or it's different or something else, then um, he knows that it, it probably, either something went wrong or it came from somewhere else and someone is trying to um, to guess that the token or the value in the, in the cookie. So it's important that the the, the token is uh, in the cookie is, is of course random, and it changes um, for every user, and um, maybe even uh, during during the runtime of the application as well. Um, I hope that answers your question there.
0: That was a pretty good rundown in a short amount of time. That was really good.
3: Yeah, that's that's what I do. So
0: <laughs> nailed it. All right. Um, so you mentioned your uh, talks that you're going to be doing coming up and some stuff you have on there. Do you, uh, do you blog? Do you have some other writings, other places that people can find out more information about the stuff that you do and you
3: share? Um, yeah, my website contains essentially all the information. Um, so I, I put uh, slides from presentations on there. If there are videos, um, I link to them as well. I have a, a short newsletter about uh, web security, uh, which runs every two weeks. And I, I keep it down to, to the five most important things you need to know about. Um, essentially because there's so much information out there, um, it's hard for me to keep up. So I can imagine how it must be like for people not doing this on a, as a full-time job, how, how difficult it is. So that's the reason I'm doing that. And whenever I find some time, which is not too often, uh, I, I try to write some uh, blogs with some technical content as well. But the main, main things to follow is, is well my website for slide material and my Twitter feed um, for, for security news because I, I tweet about that regularly. Uh, I point to useful documents, resources, uh, things like that. So and what's
0: your Twitter handle?
3: Um yeah, it, it's my name in full. <laughs> it's at Philippe Direk. Um yeah, ju- just Google me. The web- the website is websec.be um so um, that's that's the easiest to remember and you'll find my Twitter handle from there. Um, cool. I'm, we yeah. got your
0: name in the title of this video so they can grab it from there and we'll also put it yep. up in the up notes as well.
3: Yeah, awesome. So that's going to be, then it, Then it's going to be easy to find. Otherwise, um, yeah. <laughs> cool. All
0: right, well, let's uh, wrap this show up with some picks. Um, put a bow on it and call it a, a week. Uh, Austin, you got any picks?
1: Yeah, actually, um, only one. Uh, my team actually put out a, uh, we're uh, we publish ngx charts, which is a data visual visualization library uh, built on Angular for drawing SVGs. We actually just put out a new uh, chart type called uh, ngx charts DAG, which does directed acyclical graphs, which is really cool for like workflow and um, you know like mapping systems and things like that. So we just pushed that out today. So definitely a cool thing to check out. Cool, Mike
2: uh excuse me i just have one it's uh non-technical uh just the uh google play music desktop player so if you use google uh play music uh as i do uh it's nice to have just a desktop client rather than having a dedicated browser tab open to that so just a local application that you can run and if you happen to be using a macbook with a touch bar it uh, integrates into that as well so nice simple controls to listen to music as you code
0: nice Nice. Uh, my pick is Reveal.js. Uh, it's a web-based framework for doing slides and presentations. Uh, kind of working on a presentation right now <laughs> for NGCom, and I'm using that, and it's pretty slick, so I like it a lot. Um, some of you may have heard of it, but uh, Reveal.js is, is my pick. So. Uh, Philip, you got anything you want to plug here before we end? Or? Uh-
3: Nothing specific, no. Um, so in, instead of giving you a pick, um, I would encourage you to uh, look up some security info and follow at least one security minded person. Um, doesn't need to be me. I uh, can be anybody in the community. There are plenty of other people that have interesting stuff to share. So um, do that instead and, and keep some track on, on security news and learn how to integrate security into your applications. That's my main message here.
0: I, I totally want to endorse that pick for sure. Thank you. All right, well, well, thanks, Philip, for coming on and sharing this stuff with us. We really appreciate it, uh, enlightening us on security and hopefully getting people to focus more on it and work that, bake that into their regular uh, development cycle. So thanks a lot for sharing. Appreciate it.
3: very welcome. Glad, uh, glad I was here, and thanks for having me. All right, and
0: thanks, Austin and Mike, for coming up as panelists. And we will see you next week. Later.